You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Text us 865-658-5824. Tim, there was a time doing this show that I thought I would never remember that, and now it's I'm saying it in my freaking sleep. But that's what happens <laughs> when we do two shows a day. How you doing this morning, buddy? Doing good, man. Got the diesel going, ready to roll, man. Gotta have the diesel in the cup, man. I'm on my second cup myself. Let's go. I have it. Got to get the day started right, man. We've got a bunch of information to hit. I was, I came up here a little late, slept in a little bit, so that's why we're going a little late. Sue me, all right. <laughs> so <laughs> I come in and, and I'm like, "What are we going to talk about?" And as soon as I open up Twitter, I'm seeing stuff about Tucker Craft, right? And I thought, you know what? Let's kind of do a little deep dive on Tucker Craft. I feel like he's played well. It's it's somewhat of a small sample size, but every single week we say that and we put another piece to the puzzle in place. And it's like, okay, you guys know when Luke Musgrave went down with the injury, I was getting very excited with the way LaFleur was using him. And uh, mainly around his, his passer rating when targeted, things like that, he was showing some promise. Then he goes down. I, I, when, I, when I deep dive Tucker Craft, I was expecting, you know, I was expecting Luke Musgrave to still have a better look to him, you know? Not the case. Tucker Craft's actually playing better than Musgrave did. Um, so we're going to kind of cue up that question too, Tim, um, you know, as we talk about Tucker Craft. And, you know, when Luke Musgrave's healthy, does he just go right back to the de facto starting tight end or do we kind of keep pushing forward with Tucker? We'll have plenty of time to talk about that conversation for sure. I do want to say this. Thoughts and prayers go out to Elijah Moore. Did you have a chance to see what happened last night, Tim? I did not see the game, no. So essentially, um, we won't show the video out of respect, obviously, but uh, he got tackled to the turf. And as he went down, it was like the front right part of his head smacked the turf pretty hard. So you immediately think concussion. And it's so insensitive to, to just go, oh, it's just a concussion. Concussion is kind of a big deal. You know, I yeah. know I grew up in the 90s. It was we called it getting your bell rung. I'm just being real. You've seen stars. You'd laugh about it and move on. 
those were many concussions people were getting, and that kind of is what led to, to CTE. I won't turn this into a medical podcast. I just want to say when he hit the ground, without going into too much detail, his body was making movements that are not normal. And you immediately think concussion. Well, Ian Rappaport just came out with an update and said he went through concussion protocol, and it's been, if I understood correctly, it's been ruled out. Now, like I said in my tweet, hopefully Ian worded that oddly, that, okay, he is in concussion protocol, but it sounds like he's not in concussion protocol. And anytime you have someone who's unresponsive, you know, cognitively, I guess you could say, but you have extremities moving and there was no concussion involved, like one doctor said on Twitter, a real doctor, not a Twitter doctor, a real doctor chimed in and said, this this could be brain damage. So um, we we saw last year with Tua. Tua took a shot last year and had that that same reaction with the. And and that's a perfect example because Tua had a concussion and he just went kind of this was jerky. Right. So. Um, like I said, thoughts and prayers out to him, but, uh, man, it's just, it's tough to see a young person, a young player kind of go through that. And it, it, it does, it, I don't know how you guys feel. Maybe you're still, I was there five, 10 years ago, really 10 years ago. I was that fan going, scrape him off the field, keep playing. Cause I just thought I was just a tough guy. Right. And, you know, as, as I've gotten older and realized, man, this is a, it's a tough sport and, they truly are putting their lives on the line. I know sometimes we prop them up as if they're war heroes or something. That's not the case. I got you. But it is a dangerous sport. And and I swear, Tim, I think I think some of the equipment's made it more dangerous, man. Like I'm with you on that. If they didn't have a helmet on, you wouldn't have near as many like you they would be concerned about how they fall on the ground right there. They would be concerned about leaving with their head, right? Um, I'm not suggesting they should play without a helmet. I'm just saying that's just one example of how the equipment kind of makes you feel invincible until you're not right. So I just want to mention that, like I said, tough look. Uh, Hopefully everything is, uh, is over there, you know, is okay over there. I know Nick McSwain said that was scary. Yeah. Doug's talking about, he's seen the replay too. Um, Yeah. It's just uh, the crown. It was basically the crown of his head that smacked the turf. So uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, I won't, I won't hit on too many of the comments again. You guys are reacting just like I'm reacting, you know, and, uh, don't want to put anybody in a spot where they said this, you know. So we'll just move on. But again, thoughts and prayers to Elijah Moore, young player, that you uh you hate to hate to see that happen, man. It's tough. It's tough. I'm hoping tough. there's just we get more info throughout the day. You know, this just happened last night. Let's uh yeah. That's always I put the tweet out was like, God, I hope he worded this wrong. Like, because if and maybe my you know country bumpkin mind read it wrong or heard him wrong rather. But when you when you see that happen on the field and then they say, okay, it wasn't a concussion. I've been watching football a long time. I have never seen an injury where someone made those kind of movements and a concussion, you know, wasn't involved in some capacity. And if it is, if it if it isn't, then my my head goes to is it neck? Neck or spinal? You know, like yeah. what what else causes that? You know, bottom line, everything we're talking about is extremely serious. And yeah. um, you're right. You know, it just shows what these what these men do out there. You know, it's a dangerous game. Um, they know what they signed up for. We all know that um, yeah. it doesn't doesn't make this any any less scary. So, yeah, definitely uh, keeping him in our prayers. And, uh, you know, like we do with all these players, you know, I mean, 
I don't care what team you play for. You could be our hated, most hated rivals. You know, nobody wants to see anyone go through that. Um, right. So we're certainly hoping that uh, it's not super serious and that he's okay. Yeah, and someone just responded to my tweet and said, I believe he's saying he is in concussion protocol and, and ruled out for next week, just ran his words together. So okay. hopefully that's the case. Uh, um, it, you know, it wasn't to take a shot at Ian. It was just trying to get some clarity like, Oh, that sounds weird. So right, and Rappaport has probably got you know a million texts and you know back channel information. He's trying to you know sort through in real time and then you know get, give uh, the world updates. So yeah, and he immediately went on to three other injuries. You know, so right. it's like he's yeah, I got you. So hopefully everything works out there. All right, let's move on to the playoff picture here, Tim. We got I got three playoffs. Yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say <laughs> scenarios, but three different write-ups here on how the Packers could possibly make the playoffs. But let me just go ahead and hit that with uh, playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game, another game. Well, we will win another game, there, Jim Mora, Mister Negativity. I remember uh, Peyton Manning. Boy, he had an issue with that press conference, and he was a young Peyton man. I think he might have led the league in interceptions that year. Um, it's funny how we forget how bad these first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks were their first year starting. <laughs> but yep. anyway, so the way the standings sit right now in the NFC, you got San Francisco at one, Philly at two, uh, Detroit at three, Tampa at four, Dallas at five, uh, the Rams at six, Seattle at seven. Now let's focus on the six and seven seed here. The Rams are eight and seven. The Seattle Seahawks are eight and seven. Okay. The Minnesota Vikings, Atlanta Falcons, Green Bay Packers, and New Orleans Saints are all seven and eight. All right, so all tied with the same record there as Jacob joins us here. We are live, Jacob. Don't you say any wordy dirge, you hear me? Um, so, <laughs> so essentially what you've got here, guys, is two eight and seven teams holding the uh the six and the seven spot, and then you got three seven and or four seven and eight teams, the Vikings, the Falcons, the Packers, and the Saints battling. Uh, each other, along with those eight and seven teams sitting at seven and eight. All right. Now, when you look at the remaining schedule for the Rams, they go to the Giants. I think we would all agree that should be a win. They just changed quarterbacks again. Seattle plays Pittsburgh at home. I like their chances, too, to be honest with you. Probably not going to get any help from those two teams this week would be my guess if I had to put money on it. Right. So we've got a chance to take care of the Vikings here um, up in Minneapolis. So if we beat many, if we beat Minnesota, then we leapfrog them, right? The Falcons are going to Chicago. Chicago's been playing better ball. They're actually sitting at six and eight right now. So there's a chance. That's no slam dunk win for the Falcons there. And then of course the Saints travel to Tampa. That'll be a tough division game there. So just some games to kind of keep an eye on this week. And we will update that list here uh, in a day or so before we before we get to the weekend. Now let's talk about the playoff picture real quick. So this is from USA Today. I've got three uh, three different screenshots here. They said Packers playoff scenarios. The easiest path the Packers could create for themselves is to win, to first win out and finish the regular season at nine and eight. However, just winning won't get them in, as there are teams ahead of them in the playoff standings. The teams that matter to the Packers in the standings are the LA Rams, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Atlanta Falcons. All right. Now we go up down to the second screen grab. Here's the best scenarios for the Packers to make the number seven seed. The Packers win out and the Rams lose one game. The Packers win out and the Seahawks lose one game. So we need to win both games and we need the Rams and the Seahawks to drop one game. Okay. 
That's essentially what we're looking at. That's the best. That's kind of the easiest way. The Falcons come into play if they and the Packers are the only two teams sitting at nine and eight. In that case, Atlanta would get the playoff spot over Green Bay because it owns the head-to-head tiebreaker. We found out, though, earlier this year, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, I'm pretty sure we found out that if the teams have the if multiple teams have the same records and it go the, the the tiebreaker doesn't go to head to head then which is really odd that it only matters if those two teams have the same record so that was very interesting mm-hmm. that's the second screen grab the third one being there's on, there's also a chance for green bay to get the number 6 spot the simple path is the packers win out and the rams lose one game and the seahawks lose one game so that's how they could get to the 6 seed is that 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 happens so back to this one right here I believe that's saying one of those two things need to happen there for them to get the number seven seed and the Packers went out, meaning the Rams lose a game or the Seahawks lose a game. We would get the number seven seed if I'm understanding correctly. But we could get the sixth seed if both of them lose one game and we went out. So there's also a chaos scenario in which the Packers lose one of their last two games. That scenario has a lot of variables, but it includes losses from several NFC wildcard teams, primarily the Rams, Seahawks, Falcons, Vikings, and Saints. So, Yeah, that ain't going to happen. So you're telling me there's a chance. Uh, what do you guys want to hit on here? Uh, let's let's start with uh, you, Jacob, since you just jumped in, bub. Um, playoff scenario, how you feeling about it? And I can pull up any of those screen grabs that you need there, standings or anything. Um. I don't know how I feel anymore. I <laughs> emotionally <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> yeah, just because I can't tell if I want to get super like either. And that's the thing is right now you have to either go all in, full diesel, get super jacked up, paint in your face, take your shirt off, run through the freaking neighborhood naked. I don't know. Maybe don't go that far. Dang. But like you got to be like really on the fam bandwagon uh, to go win out and then hope for some magic to happen or else you have to really pack it in become really eeyore type and just doom and gloom and drama filled and you know feed into the negativity and you can do all that kind of stuff i and i just don't have the energy to do either to be honest <laughs> i'm just standing in the middle of the road like man jake if you're talking like it's week 17 bub <laughs> I, I just i don't know what to do i really don't um i'm excited for sunday night but it's what? i was gonna say jacob's saying man i don't want to get my hopes up and then we end up like this guy. Excited, and next minute, you know, I'm laying on the floor hurting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just gonna say, it's uh, what's up, Murph? It's 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 gonna be New Year's Eve again, so they keep setting us up just to get our, our precious memories ruined. So, because if we lose to that game and then the ball drops, I'm just gonna be like, I don't know, I think there's a meme of like some grumpy something while like the all the fun's happening behind them. Like, I feel like that's gonna be me at New Year's just crying, watching my post-game coverage but i i don't know man it's just a weird it's a weird way to end the year everybody it feels like is um is walking around on eggshells like i was a little late because i was watching some videos to try to get some info and i was watching an interview with quay walker and it wasn't the guy asked him a question i couldn't remember who it was if it was will d or something like that but they didn't word it honestly in like a gotcha type way all they asked were hey quay you know do you regret not being able to have more snaps shared with campbell this year uh, and Quay stopped and he looked back and he's like, and he literally said verbatim, I've got to be careful with how I answer that. And then went on to answer it in kind of a coach speaky type way. And I'm just like, yo, that's not even, we're not even getting interviews at this point. We should just stop talking to these guys because either we get an interview that causes the whole fan base to lose their mind or you get an interview that doesn't mean anything whatsoever. You know what I mean? It's again, it's extremes. 
it's because one guy showed his rear end. Remember what I said about my high school coach when he sprinted to the back of the bus on Google and went, it only takes one turd to screw it up for the whole bunch. <laughs> they are. They're all on eggshells, man. Um, you know, I would love to have seen their reaction when Jair walked out there. I'm just being honest. You had Aaron Jones, right, the Wally vet. You had Quay Walker. And I think, did you have Eric Wilson? Is that the other one I'm trying to remember? Okay. So they're out there. They're picked as captains. That's a big deal to be picked as a captain. Like, again, I ain't going to go back through it. LaFleur talked about it over and over and over. But, and then for him to just walk up and go, excuse me, God, I'm going to go over here and make the call real quick. Like, I want someone in that area to go, hey, knucklehead, get back to the freaking sideline. That's what Mark Tauscher said would have happened. That's I'm sure that's how Mark Tauscher echoed that sentiment. Yep. Yeah. Who's going to be a leader? Like somebody's got to step up and be a leader, right? And the problem is in the past you had leadership, it was appointed. And we removed that appointment of leadership because Jair Alexander complained. Like you understand that last year it was the team picks the captains, all right, those are your captains. You still do weekly captains. It's a tradition. Green Bay, I got you. But that upset him, and now it's just, okay, well, let's remove that. They, they yeah, have, remember, that goes back to – accept the, this, but they have bent over backwards for him. Go ahead, Jake. I'm sorry. That goes back to Zadarius and his issues with the captain mm-hmm. drama. Like, something's been going on for a while, and it honestly coincides. It looks like by the time that when LaFleur took over, that all of a sudden – it seemed like the inmates started running the asylum type thing. Can I get Tim's uh, just like against uh, to, or to pepper in with this whole lack of, I don't know what the, what you'd call it, like motivation or team spirit. I was looking at like just the simple stats and you could argue real simply that the Packers should have won the last five out of five games, even with all the drama, even with how bad the defenses have been. And even with us making these random quarterbacks look like freaking Joe Montana. And then you could argue, that the Vikings should have won the last five out of, or should have lost the last five out of five games with all their crazy stuff going on. And somehow we're still worried. I know I am still worried about going in to play the Vikings with a quarterback that I can't even remember who's played. Although I will say about that real quick, he's only had two starts or two relatively um, stints in a game where he actually threw some balls. One of them was against us last time. He was three for four for 24 yards and then against some other team, but he was five for six for 70 yards. So I'm like, we're going to make this dude look like, again, like a Hall of Famer. I know it. Well, check this out, though. Go back to the Kansas City game. We made a Hall of Famer look mediocre. Yeah, yeah, Right? Yeah. Now, but, now Kansas stop, City. Stop for, second, stop for a second. Listen. Listen. You've got Kelsey, first ballot Hall of Famer on the field. You've got Patrick Mahomes, first ballot Hall of Famer on the field. Two of the most important positions on that offense. Right. They had a top five defense. So I don't want to hear this whole, well, they had a bad defense and the offense just had to try to patch this thing together. You know the difference in that Kansas City game? Correct me if I'm wrong, Tim. I could be wrong here, but I may be remembering it wrong. But I'm pretty sure that was kind of around the time that we were going, man, we're worried about these starters kind of coming back. Savage came back that game and balled out, if I remember correctly. But Jair still wasn't back, obviously. I'm telling you, man. They played it totally different with Jair on the field. It's uh, to me, and I'm just this is strictly speculation. It feels like they tried to negotiate with him, like, okay, we'll play more man coverage. All of a sudden, magically, he, you know, last week he pops up in the slot seven times, right? And completely flopped. I'm, you know, if you, you know, if your argument, Jacob, is Kansas City ain't the same old Kansas City, you're 100% right. They're, they're not the powerhouse they were, but. I'm not going to shoe that. 
that that you beat Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey at Lambeau Field no. with two seventh round draft picks playing. I think one's actually undrafted, but Carrington Valentine, you know what I mean, on the perimeter. And it's just I don't know if I remember correctly too, Devondre Campbell didn't play in that game either, I believe. And that's so, after we went and schmucked the lines, I believe, too. So I mean, like we were on a, a great run. That's what makes this that's what I'm saying, man. I'm so hurt. We went up, we were doing this, <laughs> we were doing this, and everybody's like, Oh, Jordan Love, top five quarterback. Everything's Tim, going what are you great. thinking over there, dude? You you just sitting there all quiet, Tim. What's on all your right, mind? I, I'm just thinking like this 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 team has played like a team full of first and second year players. I mean, let's mm -hmm. be honest. Let's look let's look at this whole season thus far and the ups and downs. I, I mean I called it. I, I had mentioned that to you offline, Clayton. I said, watch watch this team lose all these games that they should win, and they're going to go out and beat Detroit and beat Kansas City. And we kind of had a laugh, and that's what happened. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think the inconsistencies are a telltale sign of young players. I think that the um, the antics that we're dealing with here with Jair, I, I, uh, I think it's frustration boiled over. Um, you know, and it does, it reflects on poor coaching. You know, these, these issues should be nipped in the bud early. Um, I will say this, um, you know, to get back to the playoff talk, um, you know, we dropped that game to Baker Mayfield, made Baker Mayfield, you know, look like Joe Montana. Um, <laughs> and as soon as that game ended, the playoffs started for the Packers. Um, and we, we, the, we are in the playoffs right now because we Absolutely. have no margin of error. That that stupid dream scenario of somehow losing one of these next two games and still getting in the playoff is is trash. It's not going to happen. You you have got to win these next two ball games, and it starts with the one we have Sunday night. So, regardless of what the vibe is in the locker room and how guys are feeling about their role on the team, we have a ball game to win, and uh, you guys are professionals. And part of being a professional in any field is. You don't let that crap distract you from doing your job. And we've right. got guys on this team that are letting a lot of crap distract them from doing their job. And if you're serious and you want to win in this league, you got to put that crap to the side and go win a ball game and find a way to play together. If you're not happy with the staff or the coaching, that's okay. Express your concerns I'm in the locker room. I'm here to right now. We don't care. Let me tell you. Right, let me tell you <laughs> we don't care. That's right. I don't. I, you know, I don't care about, I, you know, your feelings are irrelevant to me. We, we need to win. I want to see winning. Um, and, and like you say, Clayton, wins cure all of that. You know, everyone feels good when you when you get a win, of course, unless you, uh, you know, allow uh, the worst team in the NFL to drop 30 on you. Um, that doesn't doesn't make you feel good. We, we, we just diagnosed a film on uh, a win that felt like a loss. So. It was uh, tough, I understand, man. but you know, guys, be be professional, man. Be be pros. That's what I would say to this team. You know, you guys are professional athletes now. It, it's time for all this. You know, sometimes adversity can really, you know, unify a team, and I'm hoping that's what we see out of all of this. Um, you know, Quay's response in the interview is indicative of, you know, like Jacob was talking about. It's in, it's indicative of what's going on right now. You got guys that are you know, walking on eggshells and they don't want to say the wrong thing uh, in the media. And and I get it. You know, they just made an example out of Jair. And honestly, with this, this stuff, it's, you know, it might be too little too late at this point. Could this, be, this could have been something that was addressed weeks ago. 
Um, and, and for all we know, it was, and it just wasn't addressed properly. Um, but you can't have anyone uh, on that team or in any organization thinking that they matter more than than the team and the, and the goals of the team. So um, next man up, Val and Bal, looking forward to seeing you guys out there. And, um, you know, we'll go ahead and take care of Minnesota as a team, um, you know, and uh, hopefully have some distraction-free football here these next couple of weeks because the only thing that we control is getting the dub. None of this, none of these funny scenarios mean anything without wins. So uh, right. that's got to be the focus on Sunday is winning a ball game. Something, something Nick McSwain pointed out here in the chat too. You want to really turn this into a circus? Watch Seattle and LA lose both their games and it, everything's on the freaking table, no matter what. <laughs> it's it's going to be like a 16 tie or something possibly. Uh, because, you know, Chicago's technically right there in the mix. I don't think they've technically been ruled out, right, if I remember correctly. I mean, they got six wins. If they win out and a bunch of these teams lose and one of those teams they can actually play against, I think they might still have a shot. They could be technically eliminated. But um, I love this time of year. I actually enjoy this better, more than the playoffs, personally, when these teams are scrapping at the end of the year trying to patch it together. Uh, you know, one of the things that you just said there too, Tim, is like it's kind of indicative of the coaching staff We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Jacob has been very, very vocal the last couple of years about the floor. He doesn't like the hole. He just seems kind of soft and this and that. Jacob, this is what you're worried about, right? Something like this happening where now all of a sudden the locker room is just, well, his feelings are hurt and his feelings are hurt. And it just seems kind of soft, don't it? Yeah. And I think more than that, it's uh, like I've seen it with businesses and I'm sure you guys have been, you know, working in just any industry that if you feel like your boss or like when you were a kid in school and your teacher was kind of a pushover and like the substitute or the cool teacher, you felt like you were able to get away with way more than you should have been able to. And then eventually you get to a point where something pops off and then like you either, yeah, you know, something happens and it draws attention to it. And I just think we're at the point now where a lot of those, if they're, they don't, they don't respect Matt LaFleur in my opinion. They don't think that they're, they don't fear him. I know that. They like him. Yeah. And I, I'm saying like they they may do indeed like him and they and they they like him in a way again that like you like the cool teacher because you get away with a lot of different stuff you can't with 
the old crotchety miss whatever her face is you know what i mean you, yeah. it's it's just that kind of like um i don't know that buddy buddy mentality that seems like matt LaFleur has going on with his players with his coaching staff with certain aspects of how he addresses the media up until recently he's getting a little bit like snarky with them but it's like it, it just he just comes off as a, a butter soft you know what and uh i don't know i think that it is starting to bleed into obviously the team dynamics and i i, I just look at a team like the lions and a, a, a offensive or a, a head coach like dan campbell and that mentality and how that seems to just reciprocate through that team in every aspect they just seem like there are no nonsense like i take credit if i make a mistake I'm going to outwork you kind of, you know, bite you in the kneecaps type football team with, with Matt LaFleur. It's like, this is about me. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to be a captain. I'll watch out for me. And if something starts going wrong, I blame them. I'm just doing my job. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I just don't like it. Haven't liked it. And I'm not saying I want a change because he's a great offensive mind. I wish there was a way. Passing, his passing game, dude, he can scheme up a passing game. In an going. ideal world, I would demote him and he would be happy down to like offensive coordinator and then i'd let some sort of other raw raw type offensive or i'm sorry pro, uh x player coach come in and actually run like the actual day-to-day drills and the sidelines and actually be barking at the guys that's what i would want yeah every every coach has strengths and weaknesses right um when it comes to the floor hands down his weakness in my opinion is he is uh he maybe doesn't have the control over the locker room like like McCarthy did. McCarthy had control over that locker room. You can hear people talk behind the scenes. A lot of people don't know that. If I understood correctly, it was McCarthy and Woodson that got into it as soon as Woodson got to Green Bay. Like they got into a shouting match, and and it never got listed who the coach was. But when you kind of put two and two together, McCarthy, if he wasn't the specific coach that that was screaming at him, he was right in the thick of it. Like he went to bat for his coach. And McCarthy had control over that locker room. The The issue, in my opinion, is the leader of that locker room was Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is gone now. And I don't think Matt really took control of that locker room. Now, this is an opportunity to take control of the locker room. People are still convinced that it was just Brian Gutekunst who suspended Jair Alexander. Matt has come out and said that was a decision we made. Now, if you choose to be mind reader, and say, okay, no, I understand what he's saying more than what he's more than he understands what he's saying. I just, I kind of, I can't subscribe to that thought process. But at the end of the day, man, um, it, the you shouldn't have to control a locker room full of men. The locker room should control itself. And and great teams are player led teams. The Bingo. problem is. The problem is you've got a bunch of young cats in there, like Tim was saying. You know, yeah. Give and, me some guys that don't want to get away with things. Yeah. Give me guys that don't want to get away with it. Too hard on themselves. Yeah. Right. Yep. Exactly. So, um, and you know, you have to mold young players, right? You got to, you got to kind of, kind of mold these guys into NFL and, players, and and you can't, you can't just be the iron fist screaming at them. You know, that that era of coaching is on its way out, guys. I mean, it, it really is. And, and the way this league is going, you can't just scream at somebody and expect them to respond. There, you you got to coach these young men differently now. You got to coach them up. You got to sometimes you got to tear them down and you got to build them back up. But it can't be one dimensional. 
like, you know, like Jacob always says, man, you hit it on the head last year when we were talking about this, um, you know, oh shucks, Matt LaFleur. You know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of oh shucks, Matt LaFleur. I'm a fan of get it done, Matt LaFleur. All well, gas, break. Yeah, all gas, no break, right? Well, I'd be even an even bigger fan if it wasn't just one or the other all the time. Yeah, and we have this, we, we always talk about that balance, that even keel, you know, and that's where you get that healthy respect from your team where there, it's not necessarily a fear factor. It's a, man, I don't want to disappoint my coach because he really believes in me. And, you know, you can tell that, you know, there's passion here. These guys, I don't think there's a, there, there isn't that, there, that fear factor, a healthy fear of, you know, I want to, I, I don't want to not do my job because I'll right. get exposed. You know, I want to, I want to help this team. I mean, we talked about Tucker Craft. You hear how he speaks about, you know, what you're willing to do for your team. You know, you need that from every single one of those 53 that are wearing wearing a uniform, man. You really do. Definitely. You mentioned Tucker Craft there. Doug in the chat earlier said, oh, man, Chamorro was, this morning was livid about job. I bet he was, man. Um, obviously, Mark Chamorro played tight end in the 90s there for the Packers. One of the one of the top three, top five tight ends there for a two or three year stint, you know, back when the Packers were really, really good there in the uh, mid to late 90s. But um, yeah. go ahead, Jake, you got something? Well, one, just real quick, when I was 10 years old after they won the Super Bowl, me and my dad drove to Osseo Ford dealership and stood what we thought would be like a short line. This is in 1996 or whatever it was in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. And there was a three hour line that winded around for like a mile plus of just people in their freaking onesies. Like everybody was drinking beer. I remember looking around and people were drinking beer on like a Wednesday afternoon. And I was just like, yep, this is Wisconsin. (laughs) But anyways, (laughs) real quick to the leadership vacuum. That sounded like what happened when Rogers left. And I, I happen to agree with that. Are you disappointed or not disappointed, but what's your feeling maybe Towards players not stepping into that specifically on defense, a guy like Rashawn Gary, who, in my opinion, and no, I'm not throwing shade, but it seems like since he got that payday that he's kind of taken the foot off the brake. And I haven't seen him really become the more vocal, like dominant Ray Lewis type all star on on defense that I'd like him to be. What's what's your thoughts on that? I, I don't um, think that's Rashawn's M.O. Rashawn is a um, gentle giant. He's a quiet, quiet leader, lead by example guy. You see the fire and passion come out in spurts, but he's not a Ray Lewis type of dude. He's just not. Um, But but I do agree that, um, you know, he's one of those guys you're looking to right now to step up and maybe be a little bit more vocal or maybe, you know, big brother getting the the younger siblings together to behave and focus on the task at hand here. Um, But I just don't think we're not going to get that fire and brimstone um, all the time like you like uh, out of Rashad. I just don't. Don't see him being Chris, that was my point is who's going to be the leader that gets us jacked up to go on this 2010 type run, even if we win these two games? Is there if one you, for Charles pay, Woodson? If you pay attention to Rashawn Gary, he's very local when or he's very vocal when they're winning. That's his style of leadership. When we lose, I'm going to shut my damn mouth and I'm going to work harder. Yep. When we win, hey, let's enjoy this. We earned it, right? As far as who that leader is going to be, he may not even be on the roster yet, Jacob. I'll tell you who it is on offense, in my opinion. There's two that come to mind. Jordan Love is a leader. He showed fire. He showed fire on the field. I know no one has criticized him for getting on players, for screwing up, but he's done it, right? You know, Aaron did it, and everybody threw a temper tantrum over it. But, you know, 
the way he's led, kept his mouth shut, established himself. All right, now I've got a little bit of a mini platform here. They trust me now. They know I can play ball. You'll see him start to get on to people when mistakes are made. I think he's a leader on that offense. I'll tell you another one, too, is Tucker Craft. And we're going to talk about Tucker Craft right now. I want to mention this. Omer in the chat said Lombardi was a hard, a hard arse coach, but his players loved him. I'll never forget the clip on a football life. Have you guys seen uh, Vince Lombardi of Football Life two parter? Mm-hmm. Jacob, have you seen it? I have, but I didn't. I got to watch it again. It's been bro. Long. It is. It, man, you talk about an emotional roller coaster. Whew. Um, when he got ready, as his time was winding down in Green Bay, he went in. There's one of his assistants is talking to telling this story and said that he could hear them over there yelling at the players in the other room. He walks into the other room and he said he said he sat down and he said. Uh, there's so much, I think it might've been one of the last meetings he had with the players as the green Bay coach. He said, there's so much I wanted to say to him. I don't know why I have to whip them all the time. And the guy said, well, you know, coach, you, you trained them by the whip. You can't stop now. And he's like, yeah. And he pulled the chair into the corner and stared in the corner. And they said, he sobbed like a baby, like a baby. So like he was putting on this front constantly. Like I've just got to be fire on fire all the time. And behind the scenes, he hated himself for being so hard on his players. But that's how you get the most out of your players. That's a true leader, you know, is kind of sacrificing how I feel for a second. Listen, Lombardi was not perfect. I mean, he was close to it, but he wasn't perfect. And, um, and those those players were made differently and built oh, differently absolutely. back then, guys. Absolutely. You know, you you had guys, you know, like Lionel Allridge and and you know and Willie Wood and Willie Davis and 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 I'm specifically mentioning one race here because guys, they were battling through real adversity. Like yep. in the 60s, racial tension was whoo. And Lombardi was one of those guys that was like, all right, by and God. What, and I've what else did Vince do though? He 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 would tear into those players, but every single one of those players on that team knew that their coach had their back. Every single one of them. Absolutely. You and know? you know, Bart Starr, here's a good a good example of leadership. He said that Lombardi chewed him out in front of all of his teammates. You remember this story, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And he said, I just took it, and after the practice, I went into his office said, Coach, can I speak to you in your office? And he was just, Vince, yeah, yeah, come on in, Bart. And he's like, listen, you want me to go out there and be the leader of your team, and then you want to completely chew me out in front of everybody and undermine that leadership. He said, if you want to chew me out, if I got a chew out coming, do it in here in the privacy where I, I can tell you when you're wrong and not have to basically show you up in front of the team. I can take a good chewing. That's basically what he said. But you cannot do that in front of the team and then expect me to go out there and be your leader. Otherwise, don't ask me to be your leader. He said from that day forward, he never chewed him out in front of the in front of his teammates again because Bart understood leadership. Right. And he made Vince Lombardi better in that situation. Yeah, there's a ton of stories like that. It's just I'm looking forward to the offseason because we're going to hit a bunch of this stuff. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. But, yeah, um, Omer, you're right, dude. He uh, his players loved him, man. There's no doubt about it. Um, we could we could talk on Lombardi all day. We'll, we'll move on here. I want to talk about Tucker Craft because you know you just said who's that leader. Let's focus on just the offensive side of the ball. It, really, we need to be keyed on the defense. But I've got to show geared around Tucker Craft here, and I just want to point out he is one of those up and coming leaders on offense, in my opinion. Him and Jordan Love. If if I were to say on defense who I would want to step up, he's probably got the, the most pelts on the wall, Jacob. It, it sounds silly, but money has to be involved too. If you got someone who's one of the higher paid players on the roster, that carries weight with the younger players because they want to get where they're at with that paycheck too. 
we like to sit here and pretend like, oh, no, it's a kid's sport. Money shouldn't matter. It matters. These are grown men who are trying to set themselves up for life. That's a factor, too, with professional football. Kenny Clark's the one that comes to mind for me. Kenny Clark is quiet. You notice Kenny Clark is soft-spoken, had a rough upbringing. His dad just got out of got out of prison and got to watch him play for the first time this year. And he went, I think he went to prison for I won't get into all the details. This is Kenny Clark grew up rough, and you never hear him raise his voice. That's a guy, the the guy, the loudest people in the room, 99% of the time, the loudest people in the room have the least amount to say. The quiet ones, when they step up and talk, people freaking listen. Kenny would be the one that would need to step up, in my opinion, and go, hey, look, guys, this stops right now. And he would need to look Jair in the eye and say that, right, and let the teammates see, okay, we're done playing games here. This defense is going to turn this around. Because I'm telling you, week after week after week, we show you on Chalk Talk. These guys are getting beat in situations where they're set up to succeed, whether the fan base wants to accept it or not. You're not going to convince me one week where we need to blitz more, and then the next week we blitz and guys are playing – 10 yards off the ball, and they're supposed to be the best corner in the league. You're not going to put that on the D.C., man, or the position coaches. And I've been hard on the position coaches. Tim has been hard on the position coaches. But there's only so much they can do. So I would like to see Kenny step up and be that player. But as far as Tucker Craft, I, I shared this tweet the other day. I'm going I'm to read it again. Matt Schneiman tweeted it out talking about he was talking to rookie Tucker Craft and asked him about possibly breaking the third-round curse. He said, honestly, I don't step on that field and do anything for me. Just try to be there and be a guy for my teammates, be a guy for the coaches. I think that was huge with everything that was going on behind the scene. Be a guy for the coaches, and I think it's that simple. You go out there, you run every route like you're expecting to catch the ball, you block every block like you're at the point of attack, and good things will happen to the team. You just owe it to yourself, you owe it to your teammates to just give your best effort every single snap. I feel like that was a shot across the bow, me personally when he said that, like, I, I'm going to go out there and do what I need to do for my coaches, not what I'm going to, what needs to be best for me. Right. Steno said yesterday, this was by Ryan Wood on Twitter said uh, Packers OC Adam Stenovich says Tucker Craft has uh, been pulled aside and told being a tight end to try running a tackler over instead of hurdling quote. I think sometimes lessons are learned best the hard way. And he definitely learned the hard way because <laughs> You, you guys see him uh, – he took one on the dankle last week, right? And then this week, of course, uh, he hurdled and we showed it in slow motion where his head smacked the turf. But it just shows you, man, he, when your teammates – think of Jordan Love, and this is probably the worst example, but think of Jordan Love watching him going somersaulting through the air trying to get one extra yard. Do you think Jordan Love wants to read that next play out a little more accurately? you think he wants to be his best? Aaron Jones – kind of coming to the end of his career, towards the end of his career, battling injuries, right? He looks over and sees that young dude laying on the line. You think about that comment he made in the media while all this freaking circus is going. He was just on the field pregame and watching Jair. Hey, move out of the way here. I want to call it a coin toss. You think it don't make Aaron Jones want to play better seeing Tucker Craft do that? You lead by example. And I'm telling you, every opportunity you have as a football player to sacrifice your body for your team, if anyone – on that team cares about what's going on with the team, within the team, they're going to see that and rise up. The ones who look up and go, hey, I ain't going to do that. Get them the hell out of the building. Yep. I don't care what your contract is, whether you're one of the eight first-round picks we always have to hear about, You know, two of which got their lunch taken from them in Carolina. I don't care anything about that. Put the best players on the field who are playing the best football right now. The only game that matters is the last game you played, period, case closed. And that's when true leadership's got to step in and do that. 
But Tucker Craft, I think, is one of those guys. Now, let's look at the stats here. When you look at PFF, Tucker Craft is currently grading out as the 30th highest graded tight end, okay? And if hopefully these numbers are completely updated. I pulled them this morning. So he is officially playing at a starting caliber. You can only compare players across the board to the people in the league at their position. That's the way I see that. So he's officially stepped into that starting caliber PFF grade there in the 30th spot, okay? Now, passer rating when targeted. When you dig deeper here, this was really cool. Minimum of 20, 20 targets. I tried to remove some of the noise because there was people in there with three targets, seven targets, eight targets. So minimum of 12 tar- or 20 targets, passer rating-wise. This is the passer rating <coughs> when Tucker Craft is targeted. He is eighth in the league at 116.1. Guys, you remember I pulled these stats on Luke Musgrave and was absolutely fired up. Tucker Craft is even better at 116.1. Now, first down percentage. How often does he get a first down? right when targeted, what have you. He is currently sitting 10th in that statistic at 59.1%. 59.1% of the time that he's targeted, he gets a first down. That's called moving the sticks, moving the chains, keeping the drive going. That's the opposite of going three and out that we've seen in Carolina. So, craft yards per target. Yards per target, again, same field, same uh, same removal of the 20 targets or less, or less than 20 targets, I should say. Yards per target. Tucker Craft is currently seventh with 8.6. That's ahead of Travis Kelsey, who's not at 8.2. Having a bad year, I got you. You know the big darling of the league? We keep talking about Sam Laporta, Sam Laporta, Sam Laporta for the Lions. He's 7.7. He's 13th on this list. Tucker Craft is getting more yards per target than Sam Laporta. This is the really cool, and this is going to surprise you guys. What was the big – the big knock last year on this offense, right, with the tar- with the young pass catchers, it was the drops. We led the league in drops, right? We tied for the league in the league leading drops. Drop percentage, Tucker Craft. I was thinking about this the other day, I- and I thought, man, he had he might have one or two drops. Look at his dr- his drop percentage, guys. Zero percent. He has dropped zero passes according to SIS. So that is tied for obviously. There's nine other players with a minimum of twenty targets. Stephen Sullivan came sliding in at the very. <laughs> the very uh, edge of the qualification there with 20, but he's got zero drops on target. Catch percentage is 90.5%. So I don't know, man, I'm excited about Tucker craft. I want to get your all's take on it. Let's go around here, around the horn here. Think about the leadership aspect as a young player. Think who do we talk about the most on the draft party, Jacob? It was Tucker craft. Wasn't it the way he well, reacted? Remember all the Chuck Norris jokes and everything. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, um, did you know that Tucker Crafts, his tears, they cure cancer? It's just a shame he's never cried. How many push-ups can Tucker Craft do? How many? All of them. That's right. Every one of them. Every last one. I do that. I was telling Tim this offline, and like I said, I want to get your take, Jake, and I want to get Tim's take on it, too. I'm excited about Luke Musgrave. He's a weapon. He's an absolute weapon. He is a physical specimen. He's he's basically a wide receiver in a tight end body, right? But when he gets healthy, don't feel like we – oh, no, we, dra- we drafted him before, Tucker. We need to start him. BS. Forget the draft picks, man. Like, Tucker Kraft, until he proves otherwise, he needs to be the starting tight end. He may fall off these last two games and have a poopy career for, <laughs> from here on out, right? But until that happens, keep building on that, man. That dude is creating momentum. Jay, what do you think, dude? <laughs> I shouldn't have Googled – Chuck Norris jokes because now that's all I want to do is <laughs> the whole segment going through them. But no, uh, 
I, I really am really surprised. You guys know that that was one of my guys in the draft party. Um, I honestly did not think that he was going to emerge to be as this, this good. I mean, he's on pace without Laporta doing some of the stuff he was doing. People may be arguing that Tucker Craft had arguably the best you know, rookie tight end stint in a while, or at least on par with some of those more notable ones. Um, and, and that being said, if you go into the next year, I mean, obviously I want to win the rest of this season, but if you look ahead to next year, it's hard not to get really giddy and excited about the possibility of a lot of 12-man personnel with Craft uh, and Musgrave. And like you said, they bring so much. I mean, I hate even comparing them to well, back in the day when they, in the Patriots, when they had, uh, who's that? criminal guy Hernandez and uh Gronk but you have two weirdly freakish tight ends in different ways on the same field at the same time that's really hard to cover especially when you add in five freakish wide receivers who knows what we're going to do in the draft maybe getting some crazy scat back or some you know another threat behind uh love there at tailback so I don't know man I'm excited it's all heck and just to see the way that Kraft is kind of like you said, just I didn't expect that he would get really successful and that all of a sudden he'd become the humble team guy. I expected that maybe he'd get really successful and turn into like the the Gronk or the Jair kind of like, you know, the showboater. He's more doing it in a way that's more like South Dakota, old school, good old boys style. And I, I really I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, for sure. Tim, what do you think about my crap? I mean, I I just think about um you know, we talked about Mark Chimura earlier. I think about, you know, one of my favorite tight ends that had only played for us a couple of years was Keith Jackson. And he was um, he was a great compliment to, uh, to Mark to Mark Chimura. And um, yeah, like I see it right here. CL in the chat just just hit it. Um, you know, Chimura and Keith Jackson was kind of that one two punch. And I, I see that here um, with Kraft and Musgrave and um you want it. You love it. And it's not about who who's who's playing what role. It's the fact that you got two dogs at tight end and uh, the future is bright. Um, both of these guys are are good pass catchers. Um, and, uh, you know, seeing Tucker Craft emerge um, after the uh, the injury to, to Musgrave is just proof positive that, you know, leadership can can pop out at the, the strangest of times. And sometimes you know, leaders emerge during adversity, you know, or, or situationally. And, um, you know, it was time for Tucker Kraft to, to step up because this football team needed him to step up. It's that simple. And the great ones do, you know, when, when, uh, when the bell rings, you answer the call. And um, certainly Tucker Kraft is of that mold. Like I said, a, a, a testament to the, the old school tight end, the guy that's going to go out there and lay it on the line for his team. And, you know, as far as the hurdling versus running over a guy, I mean, you guys know, right? I mean, you're not thinking, you're in the moment on that field. He's not thinking, ooh, I'm going to hurdle this guy. It just, that those kind of things Naturally. just happen. It just yeah. happens. Um, See, so what else happens? Your dankle gets smacked too, bro. Yeah, you know, you know yeah. it is what it is. So, you know, that happens a few times. Maybe, yeah, you're probably probably not looking to do that. <laughs> Uh, first, you might look look to lower the boom, lower the shoulder. He's, uh, he's doing that thing that Dwight Schrute did. He's trying not to give him the good stuff. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. So, man, everybody's talking look. about the Vikings defense, too, and how, how aggressive they are. I want to point this out. This was according to uh, SIS data on the 33rd team. When they rush, right, they bring six-plus rushers most in the league. 
And people look at that and go, whoa, they blitz a lot. They do. You're right. They do. Look at the EPA, though. 22nd in EPA when they bring six-plus rushers. Now, do they play more man or zone? Is it man blitzes or zone blitzes? Glad you asked. Man coverage, 11% of the time. That's 31st in the league. Zone, 68% of the time. That's second most zone in the league. Their EPA, 16th. So you got an EPA of 16th and 22, 22nd, with six-plus rushers and zone defense. What does that equal? That equals, if they're on the same page, you're going to see someone like Tucker Craft and some of these slot receivers, whether it whether it be Malik Heath this week or it be Jaden Reed if he's healthy or Dontavian Wicks, if he gets on the field somehow, some way, you're going to have opportunities to go hot against that zone blitz. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to play what they played all year long and go – zone heavy, blitz heavy. They could do totally the opposite. They could come out and play shell man. That happens. That happens every week. That's why you really got to focus on the tape and not focus on, oh, just the DVOA and just this and just that. Like, you've got to really embed yourself into the situational aspect of football and go, okay, what are they doing to attack you? And what is your counter? What is your adjustment to, to stop them or attack them? This could be a – I'm telling you, man, this could be a big game for Jordan Love because he's handled pressure well this year. And we've got one of the better pass-blocking offensive lines in the league. Struggled last week all the way across the board, but we do have one of the better pass-blocking offensive lines. They know what's at stake. Matter of fact, if I could find it here, we'll end it with this. Um, I had a video of Jordan Love in the locker room. Let's see if this is it. Yeah, this was Jordan Locker Room's response. Jordan Love's locker room response to um, everything that's going on. Just like a 20-second clip. Um. You know, I don't think any of that is affecting anybody in the locker room. Um, I, like I said, I think we all know what's in front of us going forward, what we got to do to finish the season off, to have a chance to make the playoffs, um, and just how important that is to everyone in the locker room. So I don't think anyone's letting any outside you know, noise, things that are going on outside affect us. There you go. I, I don't think we're focused on anything other than the playoffs. Nothing but the playoffs. I think that dude's locked in. What is it, 11 touchdowns and one interception in the last four games, whatever it is? I This might be the true coming out party for Jordan Love. Let's say the defense craps the bag and gives up another 30-burger, right? What if he comes out and they drop 42 on this Vikings defense? Tucker Craft has has his first 100-yard game, right? If you get everybody healthier, if somehow, some way, Christian Watson can make it on the field this week. Can you imagine having Christian Watson and Tucker Craft on the field at the same time? With, with the way Christian – those people forget those last two games from Christian where just freaking lights out. He blew up again, right? You're seeing he's got it. I don't know, man. I, I, I just got a weird feeling about this. I think going into Minnesota, it's us against the freaking world, yep. and I kind of like our chances. I do. And, and I know there's Packer fans all over Twitter. They just can't wait to throw up the tweet to say, oh, yeah, Joe Barry going to make Jaron Hall look like a Hall of Famer this week. They're just chomping at the bit to make their little jokes because it gets the interaction and the mob comes together and goes, yes, we suck. Yay. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that locker room, people are saying this is the worst time to suspend Jair Alexander because you got Justin Jefferson coming to town. I think it's the best time. I think it's the best time to go, look, it's not about one player. Would we love to have arguably one of the best corners in the league out there covering Ja? Absolutely. But if he's going to – you know what he's grading out this year? This has been a big conversation on Twitter. If you had to guess where he's grading out on PFF amongst all cornerbacks in the league this year, what do you think he's grading out? Below 50. Lower. 
you talking rank or overall just score? overall defensive grade? Forty-four. No, he is eighty-second. And we're over here acting like, oh, what are we doing suspending him? We need him. What are we talking about? Damn. We're acting like this is Jair Alexander, who, you know, three years ago played great in the in the Mike Pettin defense, right, or whatever it was, you know. I mean, he played good last year. He finished – I think he finished top ten, right? The year before, not so much. But I don't know, man. It's just uh, – it, it's not it's not about one player. I think we got everything we need in that secondary to do what we were doing against the chiefs. You know, you're not going to convince it. Let me ask you this way. And I know we kind of talked about this and we'll wrap up right here. Patrick Mahomes. We talked about, okay, it's not the same Patrick Mahomes. Who would you rather face this week? Jaron Hall or Patrick Mahomes? Jaron. Same. Who would you rather face this week? The Vikings second string tight end that I don't even know who he is or Travis Kelsey. And we got people with playoffs on the line. We got some fans running around going, oh, God, they're going to kill us. They're going to – what have we done as a fan base that we've got to the point now where we're like, oh, my God. It's like they're not looking forward to football on Sunday. I just don't understand it. You got an, you got an offense and a, and a great young quarterback that's continuing to raise their game, and you've got an opportunity for the defense to raise up and shut up a division rival, right? I, I, I like our chances this weekend. I'm feeling good about it, so. And it's on primetime, on primetime. Got a super chat here. We'll hit more we'll wrap-up. CL says, thank you so much, CL. Appreciate you supporting the stream, buddy. He said, how much influence has Pat Petten had on the Vikings? I think he's had a lot, or else they wouldn't have kept him as the assistant head coach. You know, I know Brian Flores gets all the credit for that, but Mike, keep, them keeping Mike Petten around, um, I bet he's got his hands all over that defense. I do. Um, but appreciate the super chat, buddy. Thank you so much. Um so right here, look, this this is what I'm talking about. Mike Hebring. Jair Alexander didn't play against the Lions or the Chiefs. Those were our two best performances. Will we agree? Thanksgiving was like, yeah. I got the jersey on the way. It's on back or it's supposed to be here. I'll show you guys the patch if I can get to it. But we ordered the John Madden Thanksgiving Day patch, and we got the authentic Rashawn Gary jersey. So we're going to have the patch sewn onto the jersey and kind of re- re-replicate that. That's one of my favorite games as a Packer fan, man. I'll never forget sitting around there and just watching them absolutely boat race them. It was awesome. Rashawn Gary was the main reason on defense, and Jordan Love just had his coming out party. Like, and, and like Mike points out, Jair wasn't on the field for that or the Chiefs. They balled out too. So we could just get Rudy Ford on the field. I'd be happy. So, And you guys, it's it's not too late to join the Rudy Ford fan club. I am the president, CEO, care, caretaker, all that. So let's go around the horn here real quick. Jacob, what you got, bud? Uh, I just looked over at the chat again, which I should never do. And it sparked my, it made me have to go back. I don't want to get negative, but just one last thing. It just makes me scratch my head now after all this, like how much the result Douglas thing really does bother me now. Um, the way that that was handled and the way that the situation, because what, what we would love right now, I know I would love a, a strong-minded defensive locker room guy named Razul Douglas, who's a veteran that's playing better than any of our other cornerbacks. I mean, that just sounds like something that'd be great to have, but I don't know. I could be crazy. That being said, I'm excited for the game. Um, not too excited. Just even-keeled. Just going to be try to keep calm and uh, not get too aggressive no matter what happens, because even <laughs> if we win, we still got one more week after that, because like Tim talked about, we're in playoff football now, man. So I, I have to not try to have a 
brain hemorrhage or heart attack or whatever the case is. I want to see the, the Super Bowl if we when we get there. <laughs> um, my Cabring in the chat said, "Yeah, what's up with Rudy? Uh, did he get? How did he get in the doghouse? There's definitely something there. There's no one going to convince me otherwise. You don't just take." arguably your best defensive back outside of Russell Douglas and just bench him all of a sudden. Like I said, he acted a little weird coming out of training camp. I think he might have bucked on him when they wouldn't announce him as a starting free safety. I think he might have said something and said, oh, yeah, really? Okay, let's start Anthony Johnson Jr. Let's start, you know, just strictly speculation, but it just kind of felt like that to me um, that that could have been the case. If you guys would hit that like button for uh, so other Packer fans can find this channel, find this content. Uh, Tim, what do you got, buddy? Parting thoughts. Uh, I'll go ahead and be super jacked up for Jacob then because um, I'm pumped for this game. I'm excited. I I despise the Minnesota Vikings. I cannot stand this team. Nothing would please me more than boat racing them. Um, they, I, I, I mean, we talk about the Bears, man. I The, the hatred for the Minnesota Vikings runs deep in my blood. So um, we got to get this win. It is a playoff game. It's a divisional game. Um, and I guess what I, what I would say on the offensive side of the ball, um, a name that's, uh, on my radar is Emmanuel Wilson. Emmanuel Wilson is progressing out of that, uh, out of that injury protocol with the shoulder issue. And we have banged up running backs. Uh, we've got AJ's got a busted thumb. Aaron Jones looks about as close to hundred percent as we've seen all year, but we know how that goes with, uh, touches and carries and, you know, utilizing him, uh, I really and I've been okay with how Patrick Taylor's played in a pinch, but I tell you, I'm excited to see 31 back out there carrying the ball for us. And uh, I think he can contribute in the, you know, in the run game, especially, but um, just offensively giving us another weapon there um, because we're not, we're not going to beat Minnesota without at least attempting to run the ball. We've got to keep that defense honest and on their toes. Um, so I'm excited for Sunday. Uh, I think the defense responds. I think these guys rally and play together out there. Um, and regardless of what's going on in the locker room, things that we don't know, we're not going to know everything. And it's not meant for us to know all those things. Um, none of that's going to matter, man. When you, when you go out there and get between the lines, you got to go out there and play for the guy next to you. Um, and you got to get a dub because uh, the season is on the line, which, which we all know it's not a secret. So um, go pack, go beat the Vikings. Let's get a dub. Love it. Tell you what else I love is BetUS being the official sports book of Packers Total Access. Appreciate them jumping on board with us. If you guys want to register for free as a customer and support the stream, just click on the link in the description of this video, and that will attach you to us and show them that we sent you uh, to their site. Again, it doesn't cost a dime to register for free with them. they got a really cool interface. Love what they're doing over there. A ton of prop bets if you like to put together a multi-leg parlay, that type of thing. Um, BetUS currently has the Packers as two-point underdogs uh, going into Minnesota. You guys know typically the home team gets three points. That's just kind of the rule of thumb uh, throughout the history of, of gambling there with the NFL, whether it was legal or not at the time. But uh, so uh, the Packers, you know, when you look at it from that that standpoint, it looks like it's going to be a very close game. I would love to see them come out and shock the world and just boat race them. If you took Green Bay with the plus two, I'm not suggesting you do that. Never gamble anything you can't afford to lose, obviously. But I'm feeling good about this team and the way this offense is playing. Um, I would feel pretty good about that plus two. And I never bet against the Packers. I would just don't put any action on it, you know, rather than trying to root against my favorite team. It's just silly. You know? okay. I mean, that's BetUS, the official sports book of Packers Total Access, been in business now for 30 years, celebrating their 30th year, uh, established in 1994 as America's 
favorite sports book. Appreciate you. Hey, don't put Eric Sutherland's chat up, but, <laughs> but uh, do put up too old for this. Put Look, I'm going to do it right now. Yeah. Look, I have one marked, and this one was clean. I wanted to get Eric involved oh. here. He said, playoffs or no playoffs, <laughs> I'm super happy with the progress of the young offense. The okay. defense, on the other hand, is absolutely disgusting. Yeah, that's the one to put up, not the other one. Yeah. Yeah, I'll uh, – I, I, you. I'm definitely going to take a peek at it. I promise you. <laughs> uh, Nick McSwain earlier said they never gave up on the floor because he's a good leader. Um, it's true. I mean, they're they're fighting for him, right? The defensive side of the ball is kind of the ones that feel like they're not as inspired. Creed in the chat said it's one thing to be critical of the results. It's another to judge the process as if you could do better. The league isn't for anyone, uh, even the greatest struggle. Look at Belichick this year. Very good point, Creed. Uh, Belichick is just a uh, man. It's wild how that's come to a screeching halt. Mike Hebring in the chat said, Tucker Craft is the first tight end in Packers history to record a minimum of four receptions and 50-plus yards in three straight games in franchise history. Nice run for the first year of Wonder. I mean, when you're doing stuff that's never happened in Packer history, pretty impressive. And over a multi-game stint. It wasn't like that's the first time this has happened in a single game, right? Um, you're seeing some consistency there for sure. Uh, Doug in the chat said, Jacob, he was our best corner while playing zone, and we dealt him. Great comment. Uh, talking about Rasul, obviously. I'm sure it was Rasul, right? Is who he was talking about? Yeah. That's, mm. that's when the locker room went kind of – you notice all those people that were doing the victory laps after the Packers played good when they traded Rasul. They're, they're quiet now, ain't they? Yeah. They were running around going, I thought this was going to hurt the locker room. Uh, hold on tight. Omer in the chat says, Mike Wall was on the mark with what he said after the Rasul trade and what he said after Sunday, even before Jair was suspended. I love Mike Wall's takes, man. Again, anytime a former player talks, I shut up and listen. Now, uh, you guys have got to get my real reaction here to Eric's. <laughs> yeah, we can't put that up there. No, but too old for this. I love I love too old for this is comment right above it. Right above it. Let's see here. Is it the I live in Minneapolis? Yeah. All right, let's see here. I live in Minneapolis. Best part of the city is that Jordan Love will be here this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a little backside dig there. A little backside dig. All right, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Jacob, Tim, it's so fun to have you guys in here uh, talking ball, man. We need to get the crew together more often where we're at full strength, as Omer likes to say here. Um, but uh, appreciate everybody in the chat. Want to give a special shout-out to my boy CL. Thank you for the super chat, buddy. We appreciate you supporting the stream. You were awesome. Everyone in the chat was great today. Uh, keeping the conversation going. Excited about this game coming up. You guys are going to be mad at me, but it's Friday night. We're going to go out to dinner, so no show tonight. Uh, we'll be back in the morning, and uh, we'll do a we'll do a doubleheader tomorrow. And then, of course, we'll have the pregame show on Sunday as well as – actually, with it being a night game, we'll do a Good Morning Lambeau, we'll do a pregame show, and we'll do a, bo a postgame show and have to sleep at 3 a.m., all right? So we're uh, – I don't like these primetime game guys. I'm just being honest. That That's – I'm old. I'm old. I'm older than dust, man. I, I have to stay up till one o'clock in the morning doing a post game show. You guys aren't getting the best me. I promise you that. And uh, there's always a chance you have a couple of daddy sodas while you're watching the game. So it might get a little loose lips, you know, <laughs> but uh, look at this Tuck Norris. I love it. No, man. Papa K I in the gym. Tuck Norris that. can kill two stones with one bird. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Tuck Norris, that needs to be a T-shirt. We might yeah. we might have our first PTA T-shirt. There we go. Oh, with just his face on the old school Chuck. Oh, like, come on. Chuck Norris all posed up. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chuck Norris. Oh, dude. It's there you go. Great. Papa's going to sit, put the check in the mail right here. Royalties. <laughs> Papa K. <laughs> all right. We're out of here, guys. Appreciate y'all. 
Um, those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.